Welcome to the Financial Advisors Edge Podcast, a show created by financial advisors for financial advisors. Are you ready for some straight talk about building and growing a financial services practice? Four advisors in different states at different firms could have each built $100 million plus practices from scratch the right way through hard work, doing the right thing, and having fun while doing it. It's time for you to get the edge. Here are your hosts, Brad Warfords, Jeff Copeland, Jim Martin, and Greg Gonzalez. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Financial Advisors Edge podcast. I'm Greg Gonzalez. It's just me today, and we have a special guest with us. We have Andrew Ladwig from Wealthbox. He is the Director of Business Development with Wealthbox. Everybody that's listened to the podcast for a long time knows that Wealthbox is our CRM of choice. Both myself and Jim utilize Wealthbox. Today's episode is not going to be a, a commercial about Wealthbox, though, although I, I have, like I said, I've been a big, big proponent and I encourage people to check them out, but, but more of a lesson. This is going to be our part one lesson on utilizing CRM to make it the most efficient use in your practice, whatever the practice may you know, look like at this point. You may be a solo advisor. You may have a, a big, big group uh, or, or team working with you and for you. Whatever the case may be, your CRM is one of the most important tools in your practice. So, so Andrew, today let's let's start talking about kind of more basic level, but mistakes that you see over and over again that that users of and it this may be users of Wealthbox, it may be users of other CRMs because there's there's certainly many to choose from. But what what mistakes do you see advisors use or you know I guess. Just things that you just kind of shake your head and say, well, you're just not utilizing the tool like you should be. Yeah, absolutely. And Greg, thanks for having me on. Thanks all for joining. A uh, little bit of personal background, and I think this will kind of help and then we'll kick off the conversation. I started off in the industry working in the wholesaling realm. I worked at a home office of a broker dealer in RIA and now work in the, the wealth tech world. So I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly is the best way to put it, right? And, and what advisors do well and what they don't do well. And you know, what they find is they start to have more conversations. And Greg, to your point, you know, a lot of folks when they're hopping in their CRM are just making some simple mistakes, right? And things that they can rectify pretty quickly. I think the first one, and again, this is CRM agnostic and no matter what you're using out there, I think the first one is making sure all your integrations are, are lined up and connected, right? So whether that's email, calendar, financial planning, you know, financial account data reporting, your risk analytics, just making sure you have everything connected. I, I think a lot of advisors will get rolling, perhaps add a tool here or there, have something catch their eye. And next thing you know, they're six months down the road and they didn't know that their financial planning vendor actually connected to their CRM, right? So just yeah. making sure that you've got those there, and especially with email and calendar, making sure those are connected. You know, I've heard folks talk about the CRM being the central nervous system of firms and having that email and calendar connected. We can get into some of the, the more next level types of things like color coding things and whatnot. But I think that idea of having that email and calendar connected really is the, the first starting point for that conversation. And finally, Greg, we've talked about this. I, I think a lot of folks could use tags better within their system and especially 
for advisors that are looking to grow their business and perhaps finding a niche or a couple different ones out there that they're working with, having tags within their CRM is going to make it much easier, whether they're running in-person events, whether they're doing client appreciation things, even something as simple as you and I talked about this, when you've got a client coming into the office, what do they like to drink when they make their way into the office, yeah. right? Is it, is it coffee? Is it a diet Coke? Is it a, you know, spring water? So you know, those are some of the basics I'd go back to making sure your integrations are all connected, making sure that you're using tags within there, and especially with email and calendar, I'd come back to that too. I love the tags. And that's, that's something we have started the, the past few years utilizing more. So, you know, if we've got a pro, you know, prospects or clients and, and, and think of advisor offices, you, you can, you can tag them to, to certain advisors. You can also tag prospects to maybe certain marketing funnels. So, you know, yes. okay, this is, this is somebody that, that came from a, maybe a seminar marketing funnel that I'm doing, or, you know, maybe it's, Maybe they were a referral for some from somebody else. Maybe it's a brother or sister, like the, you know, relationship where the sister referred the brother. But the, those tags are incredibly important because later on you're able to to sort them, you know, in, in your CRM, and it's a great way to kind of keep track of people. It it's you know I'll go back to a local example. I'm based here in West Michigan, and as you know, Greg, we've got just a ton of folks that either work in the auto industry or adjacent to it, right? And mm -hmm. let's say you're working with a group of pre-retirees from that work for a GM type company, right? Your conversation with them is going to be a little bit different because you may know that their assets are going to be at fidelity, right? So you may have something a little bit different for your marketing versus someone that works at, we've got Steelcase here in town in Grand Rapids, someone that works at Steelcase that may have some different nuance to their retirement plan. That quick tag not only allows the advisor, perhaps a junior planner, but the client service associate to know what to, what to bring up on that phone call, what to even ask on that confirm meeting. Hey, have you been here recent 401k meeting? Those tags are just that quick moment and it doesn't take long to add them either, but it makes that relationship much more nuanced. And as you said, from a marketing standpoint, that's a gold mine for you down the road, because as you think about adding prospects, it might be after a, a kid's football game, you meet them, you put a few notes in there, you put a tag in there boom, you know exactly where to get back to them on or how to connect with them on the back end. I love it. Love it. And so so tags, and and you can have multiple tags, you know, per per, per person, right? So it can be, it can not only, maybe, maybe it's an estate attorney like I had that I was referring business to. And then all of a sudden they say, hey, I, I need your help with wealth, with wealth management. It's okay. Well, you were a business contact. Right. And, mm -hmm. and now you're actually a, a client, but you know, so, so multiple tags for multiple people. I would even think about it, taking that a step further, right? So you talked about an estate planning attorney, when we talk about, and depending on what your business model is, and whether you've got an accountant that you may work with locally attorneys in general, a lot of CRMs out there. And, and I will say Wealthbox also allows you to track all that. So from a business planning aspect, that allows you as a business owner to come back. Maybe it's end of year, maybe it's Q1, depending on when you're doing, running some of your business analytics, but say, hey, this attorney, we worked with them on six or seven different families last year. We should probably sit down and have lunch with them, talk to them a little bit more. Or you know, maybe we haven't talked to this estate planning attorney enough. We actually do have three or four families that we work with and we've crossed over with. So again, from a business analytics standpoint, Tracking that in a CRM can help you be a stronger business owner as well and a better referral source back as well. That's true. 
That's true. Love that idea. Love that idea. So, okay. So we've kind of talked about some mistakes, you know, as far as, you know, tags. Let's talk about, if we can, client segmentate, client segmentation. It's one of those popular topics. How do we segment our clients and break them up? And what do you kind of see as, as best practices for, for client segmentation within a, a CRM? And again, this is, this is not just Wealthbox, but, but other, sure. other providers as well. Well, taking a step back, I think before you get to segment, even client segmentation, it's about being a better business owner, right? I know Greg yeah. and you and your team, all of you have built out your own practices and you could go from being an advisor and starting just building that practice to, you know, it's not an all of a sudden thing, but you do wake up one day and say, I am a business owner now and I need to start looking at this from more of a business standpoint, right? So when yeah. you've got that in mind, you know, client segmentation also comes down to service segmentation. Greg, you know, in talking to you and working with other firms, a lot of them are reaching a, a capacity limit, let's call it at a high level. It may be number of clients, it may be complexity of working with them. Segmentation not only comes down to within your own business, what that looks like, but how you work with those clients. What, I'll give you an example. I, we've got a consultant that uh, we work with here at Wealthbox that works with firms that actually builds out, has firms go through as an opening exercise, building out an Excel sheet with each of their tiers or their segments. And then from there, building out the activity model for those clients. So, you know, gold, silver, bronze, ABC, however you will, you know, A clients may get calls every, every quarter. B clients maybe twice a year, in-person meetings, phone calls, how quickly you respond to different things. And again, as you're working with clients, they understand a lot of them are going to be business owners. You know, you don't, they may not know their segmentation, but your staff in the background understands as soon as that phone call comes in or as soon as that email hits the inbox, how they're working with it. So how do I like to see it done? What do I think the best firms are doing? They're not only creating the initial segmentation, that ABC, gold, silver, bronze, uh, but I think more so they're building out the service model in the background for each of those segments, right? So that we'll get into this in a minute, their workflows, their tasks within the CRM are reflective of that client in the service model that they fall under. Does that make sense? It does. It does. You know, in our office, I'll, I'll kind of just give a, a practical example. But as far as the ABC clients, it, it even dictates, you know, the, the Christmas gift that they get. Obviously, the, the A clients are going to get that gold standard, you know, Christmas gift from our from our firm. B, B clients are going to get kind of like a silver in the middle. And then C clients are going to, they're still going to get something, but it's, you know, just kind of the the C or the, the bronze level, you know, so the, the A is just a little bit nicer, right? And, you know, Greg, I'll, I'll take it a step further. I'm a huge golfer and a big golf fan myself. I know there've been some major tournaments that have come through St. Louis in the past. Let's say you get half a dozen tickets all of a sudden to the PGA Championship at Bell Reeve and you got a couple of days to go. It's Friday afternoon. How much easier is it to say, hey, can you pull all of our A and B clients that are golfers with the golf tag on there? Boom. All right. I know exactly who I'm going to reach out to and see if they can come with me on Saturday afternoon. That's why you have tags. That's why you have information in there, just because it's going to make your life easier on the back end. And it allows you to have richer relationships with those clients and prospects. Love that example. I'm a big example person like that. I you could also do tags of of hey who has referred somebody to us in the past. Yep. What what clients and, and typically that's going to be the clients that are the happiest 
anyway, and they're going to refer people that are just like themselves. At least that's the way it it always seems. So, okay. So we've talked about that. What about, what about, you know, for the advisors that are saying, okay, you kind of mentioned, hey, I'm starting out and and now I'm this business owner and in Mm -hmm. in shaping your mentality of, hey, I, I own, we've talked about this on the Elite Advisor Lab. I am the owner of a financial services practice. And it's, you know, we're as, we're as small as we're ever going to be. So you start off solo, mm-hmm. then you have a, a client service associate, then, you know, other firms call it director of first impressions or client service director, whatever, whatever it might be. And then maybe, maybe you add another team member and another team member. How does that change your, your CRM? And do you, do you see advisors that make drastic changes once, once they're kind of building a team? It's not just them, the solo shop anymore. Yeah, I'll take that question in a couple of different ways because uh, you hit on kind of a chord that we're hearing a lot right now, which is, you know, hey, we're going to be growing, whether we have someone in mind right now, bringing on whether it's a new service associate, maybe a virtual admin, maybe yep. it's a new advisor, maybe it's, you know, M&A that you're going out and, and looking at bringing on a firm. But I think the first part of that question is, as you're adding more associates within your firm, how does that change your CRM use? And I think the biggest takeaway, and I'm going to come back to this concept a couple times, is leveraging workflows. Workflows are multi-step processes that include multiple people within those processes, right? So, you know, taking it back to Greg, when you and I were first starting off in the financial services industry, that meant holding up that manila folder and walking to the next person's desk in the office to get something done or popping your head around the corner to check in on something. Well, look at where we are today. You're not always able to do that, right? right. Especially in today's world, people aren't working in the same physical office, or even if you are, you know, the idea of having those workflows built out, and I'll give you an example. If you start off as you know a solo advisor, you've probably gotten into a cadence, into a rhythm with those client review meetings or those prospect meetings. Well, as soon as you're adding new team members into the equation, they're going to be additive, but you want to have that process really well lined out. And I know, I believe in a previous episode, Jim has talked a little bit about some of his processes surrounding meeting, you know, client review meetings is something as simple as what is that, what does that confirmation call sound like? What are we talking about? What are we asking them to check in there? When they walk into the office, what does that first 30 seconds in the office look like? Hey, we're going to get them their favorite beverage. We're going to hand them. Some folks might want a copy of their portfolio returns. Others may say, just let me know how I'm doing. But having that in a workflow and having your team understand that is a huge piece to it. Greg, I always love to use the analogy of the Powerball winner, right? Let's say you've got a client service associate. He or she has been with you for 15 or 20 years. They've got your systems down pat. But they go out, they buy a Powerball ticket and they win and they're headed off to Tahiti in two weeks and you're waving goodbye and giving them a hug, but you've got to figure out a way to get that new staff member up and ready to go. If you've got that workflow crystallized in your CRM for things like client review meetings, prospect meetings, move money requests, anything along those lines, anything that can be process oriented, that new team member can step in and be effective, right? You always hear about What's the lead time to get someone up and rolling? Use your CRM to help crystallize those best practices so that as you grow in a positive manner, you can tuck someone right into those processes and you've got what I call scalable authenticity. 
meaning you're doing those same processes in a, in a way that you can still make them authentic to that specific client, but you nothing slipping through the cracks either. Love it, love it. And as the and as the business owner, it's a great opportunity to be able to kind of look back and say, okay, what step you know in the process and the workflow are we at? on this client, you know, everything from, Hey, did this meeting get this review meeting get confirmed or did it get rescheduled? That's, you know, it should be all in your CRM. You should be able to look back and look at the kind of the history and kind of, kind of check it step by step by step. And, you know, as long, as long as everybody is on the same page of what those workflows, who does what, when, I think somebody kind of coined that, which I, I love that term, who does what, when, Yep. You, you can if, yeah, if you do have a, you know, a team member win the lottery, like you say, hey, as, as long as those processes are in place, they can be taught and just kind of carried forward to that next person. So that's and wonderful. You think, and you think about that too, from a firm perspective, for those of you that are looking at M&A down the road, whether it's acquiring a practice, bringing on a new advisor, tucking them in under your brand. Think about how powerful that is to be able to say that not only do you have the technology in place, but you've also got the ecosystem so that you're not going to lose that, that, or your, your ramp period is not going to be that long. And I have all the mid and back office support that you need to get your practice moving where you might've hit a capacity limit, or you may have seen something in your business that you wanted to make a little bit smoother. We can actually help you do that. So. Again, from that M&A standpoint, having workflows in place, having that ecosystem is huge for people that are either looking at that today or even down the road, crystallize those best practices. And again, refine them as you're moving onwards. I love it. And, uh, you know, kind of circling back to the whole idea of the workflow, you know, when, when Jim has talked about, you know, and he spelled out his sales process on the Elite Advisor Lab, so the members have all been able to hear that. Everything from when somebody calls the office for the first time, you know, what, what is said, you know, during that conversation, what do we ask them for? How is the meeting scheduled? What happens after that? You know, what, how do we make sure that they show up for the first introduction meeting at the office? So it's step by step by step. It's kind of like a rehearsal, like it's, mm -hmm. everything's been yeah. rehearsed and it's, it's a repeatable process. And, and so it's, you know, for them, for the, the prospect prospective client, it's brand new. They're coming to meet you for the first time. But but for you, you you've you know, your your team has done this dozens and dozens and dozens of times. So it's kind of just repetition. And the workflow just makes sure it holds people accountable to yes. the process. So and you uh, think and Greg, you think about I think every firm out there, whether you're a new advisor or whether you've been there, I, I call it the Monday morning meeting, right? Where mm -hmm. you're looking at your calendar for the week, you're seeing what's there. You're also looking back to the previous week, making sure things got done that needed to get done. I know in Wealthbox, I can pull up very quickly in that Monday morning meeting. I can see all of my staff's tasks. I can see all of the workflow steps that we have moving forward. I can also look backwards, right? Because, hey, let's say our client service associate was out Friday for a, a kid's uh, sports game. I can look back and see if anything needs to be buttoned up from the previous week. So again, for that Monday morning meeting, lean on your CRM, lean on your technology and make sure that things are living in there that you need to get done. Yeah. Yeah. And we do have those. We have like at our office, it's an 11 a.m. Monday morning huddle and it works. Hey, the week ahead meeting or whatever you want to call it. Yep. I would encourage all of our listeners. Hey, if you're not having that meeting, that Monday morning meeting, do it because it's looking at the week ahead 
what's on the agenda, what's on tap for the week, where are we at with everything? So that, that's a fantastic tip if, if anybody's taking notes out there. So Andrew, let's, let's talk about for the advisors that want to, you said something that on, on our you know, rehearsal for this call, you said something that really struck me and I hadn't heard it before, but one of the things that holds, I think, so many advisors back is hiring. And they say, yeah. oh, well, this is, this, is, this is not an investment. This is a cost. So mm -hmm. if I hire somebody new, then, I, then I've got to train them and get them accustomed to whatever CRM it will be, you know, whatever financial planning tool that we use and, and, all, and so on and so forth. Um, but so, so let's talk a little bit about that, because you said that there's even a CFP programs out there that are that I, I had no idea. This was like news to me. And this is yeah. huge news. Yeah, it's so I'll take a moment, as I mentioned, I'm Michigan based, so I'm going to take a moment to pump up a, a couple of our local programs here. But as some background, I, I worked as a, as a wholesaler in the independent broker dealer space and, you know, firms across the Midwest, especially in small towns, you can oftentimes feel like you're on an island, right? What are the, what are other advisors doing? How are they, you know, these are the questions that come up all the time. And, you know, one of the things I mentioned to you and I share with other folks, and it's a prideful thing that. You know, we didn't have it maybe when we were in our early to mid twenties, but there are a lot of college programs out there, not just wealth management programs, but also affiliated CFP programs. I know here in Michigan, there's phenomenal programs, uh, right here in town in Grand Rapids at Grand Valley State, uh, central Michigan, uh, Michigan state university, my alma mater, they have a fantastic wealth management program They're actively looking for opportunities to grow in the industry. So. Obviously, this is talking more early stage hiring, but even if it's for summer interns, uh, there's programs at Texas Tech, Kansas State, uh, University of Illinois has a fantastic program. But, you know, if you're in any of those areas or if you're looking to hire, looking to bring on an intern maybe for next summer, I would start taking a look around and seeing what wealth management programs and CFP programs there are. And what really blows me away, Greg, is that a lot of these students are already getting exposure to and access to the technology that you're using on an ongoing basis. So CRMs like Wealthbox, financial planning vendors that you're used to out there, a lot of the risk analytics programs, even portfolio accounting systems. So these kids are now going through programs and getting exposure to these programs that they're going to be using in the wealth management industry. So to our point, you know, that first day when they hop in the office and you mention a, a financial pro planning program, they've probably likely been through it and they've likely had exposure to advisors. So really cool way. And, and I think all of us here in the industry want to help to, you know, bring the next generation up. Great way to do it is to look up your, uh, your local wealth management programs at both colleges and also CFP programs. If nothing else, it'll be a fantastic networking uh, way for, for folks to get out there. I like it. I like it. I, I'm so jealous because I, I wish when I was in school, right? there was anything like that available. I mean, I, I had to kind of learn it all myself from everything from the financial planning software to the portfolio management software we use, yep. our, our risk management software. And certainly the CRM, you know, as far as Wealthbox, the, the one thing I, I do really, and I got to give a, a shout out to Wealthbox here, is you don't need like a, to take like a a college course to learn it, right. right? I mean, it is so, so user-friendly that my, my associate advisor joined our firm in June and with, within a couple of days, he had it down pat. So that's, that's, that's one of the reasons why we use it is just so darn user-friendly, but, and I, you know, <clears throat> so, so keep that in mind is, you know, a lot of these 
there is kind of a learning curve to it, whether it's financial yeah. planning or, or CRMs or, or what have you. And if you can find one of these, you know, younger, you know, CFPs, one of these students that's, that's already, it's already ingrained in them, man, what an advantage. I mean, they're, they're just a step ahead. So Let, let's take your question to, to a little different spot, because I think this is the new hire process in bringing on someone new to the firm. You know, the, the tangible process of doing that is also on a lot of advisors' minds, right? Especially those that are adding people. So, you know, I look at it as whether it's a, an intern, you know, a, a client service associate, a new advisor, you know, one of the things that we're finding, and we actually just ran a webinar at Wealthbox on the new hire onboarding process and how that pertains to workflows. And Greg, what we are seeing, especially for those firms that are planning on bringing multiple people on over the next year, they're building out a new hire onboarding workflow in Wealthbox. So think about everything from, let's say, two weeks to a month before someone comes on board from the offer letter to the first day in the office to wow. 30, 60, 90 day check-ins. Having a workflow for that is incredibly helpful. For those of you that don't be afraid of the, the, the C word, compliance, but for those of you that are worried about bringing on someone new, having everything in there to get all their documentation over to the broker dealer, getting all, making sure all their licenses in order, that's going to also allow for a much smoother process from an onboarding standpoint. So I would encourage everyone out there, no matter what CRM you're using, to have a workflow built out and to whiteboard out what bringing on a new hire looks like and actually walk through that, have that built out. You can have the, the different elements, have the executive team send the offer letter, have the admin team get their internet access set up, their computer access, their printer access, right? What if somebody shows up the first day in the office, you've got to print out some documents for them to sign. They don't have access to the printer, seemingly yeah. small. They don't know the Wi-Fi path. Again, all of these are part of growing the business, having an employee handbook when you get that to them, getting that into workflow is incredibly helpful. And then on the flip side, I know nobody ever goes through this, but you can quite literally flip that workflow around for a offboarding of a staff member, right? So making mm -hmm. sure that all of, you know, data feeds are shut off, things are shut off that need to be from a compliance standpoint, all of your T's are crossed, I's are dotted. So that's just another opportunity for you to crystallize best practices in both onboarding and offboarding if it does come up. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's an incredible thought. I, I mean, man, they're, they're thinking ahead as far as the using, utilizing workflows for the hiring process and, and onboarding people. That's, that's great. What one, one question we get, Andrew is, is when's the right time to hire? And, and, and so, and you, we had kind of talked about this briefly, but, but one of the things, you know, on, on my mind is, when, when things, when, when balls are being dropped, when things are getting missed, when workflows are not being executed properly, just because there's, there's only so much time and, 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 you know, maybe we have too many clients, whatever the case may yep. be, but let's talk a little bit about that. When is in your eyes and, and, you know, talking to different advisors, when's the best time to hire? You know, what's funny, Greg is. There's really three different elements and two are pretty concrete and a third, not so much. Yeah. The first one is client capacity, right? Looking at, and there's various studies out there. Some folks say 50 families, a hundred families, 150, whatever that number is, the issue of capacity, right? 
That may be a junior advisor. That may be another advisor. That may be a service associate as well. The second is based on revenue, right? And based upon revenue, bringing on a new employee, whether you look at that as more of a 3X number, right? We want to have 3X the revenue of what we're going to be paying this new employee. I've seen different figures uh, thrown out there, you know, every 250 to $300,000 of revenue, we want to bring on a new associate as well to help there. So that could be more revenue based. And the third is just gut feeling, right? As a business owner, and I think Greg, you can speak to this. There's an element to, I need some help, right? And it's probably a, a part of the first two elements, but there is, that is a huge piece to it. That gut feeling of, you know what, I've reached a point where I want to keep growing the business, but I can't handle it. Greg, you've got a, a 16 month at home, at home, right? A 16 month old at home. And, you know, there's probably a little bit of a gut feeling like we're growing. I want to keep growing, but I also know that I need help. Right. And some of that's just life dictated. So I think it's a, a, a little bit of those three, but it's capacity, it's revenue, and it's a gut feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think every, every business owner gets to the point where, I mean, there, there's only so much time in the day. And if, if, if the business is not growing as fast as it could, because you don't have the team members in place, I mean, it's, it's sometimes you, you gotta, you gotta make the investment and it's, it is truly, it's an investment, you know, adding someone now, of course, you got to take your time with the hiring and find the right person, which, you know, is, is time consuming. And there's a lot that goes into that. But, but man, once you do have the CRM set up and the workflows, it, in my opinion, oh, boy, it's kind of spelled out. That kind of, sh- kind of shows you exactly where this person can help you improve your overall business and the overall practice. So, well, and even think about this a long, long time ago, I sat down with uh, a large OSJ with a big broker dealer for lunch when I was in my wholesaling days. And he talked about how anytime you are hiring, you need to think about from both sides of the table what that looks like. And imagine for a moment, you are a, hi- you are a hiring advisor, you are hiring a new service associate, and you're able to sit down with someone and share that you've got your ecosystem built out. You've got a plan. You know exactly what you're doing. Not only does that give you more confidence going into that conversation, that makes you, that makes you someone that they want to go work for. So, you know, again, it comes down to being a great business owner as well. And then for them on the other side of the table, whether it's someone that's newer to the industry or a veteran, that conversation is going to light up their eyes a little bit more because they're not as worried about what that's going to look like when they come on board with you. Yeah. Yeah. Having those, those systems and processes. I mean, it's, it's almost like, Hey, we, we've, this isn't, this is a legitimate business here. We've got processes, we've got systems, we are organized here. We are, you know, this is financial services practice. So we are, we are everything to these people, these clients, you look up in our CRM, it should be like very, very impressive, right? It should have, so, so mine, I have, you know, kids and dogs and, you know, every, mm-hmm. I mean, everything about these people. And literally, I think, you know, if something happened to me, heaven forbid, where would my clients be, right? It, who, whoever would, you know, take over them, whatever firm, you know, you know, buys it out or whatever, whatever happens, yeah. the advisor that steps in next, are they going to be in a mess or are they going right. to have workflows and everything, a system in place where they can literally step in look at all my notes and all the activity in the CRM and say, gosh, this is, this is a piece of cake. I, I can just follow the, the CRM and, 
And the CRM is is really, let's talk about this a little bit before we we hop into to part two, which is going to be kind of more of our, our advanced CRM planning. But but utilize, seeing CR, your CRM as an asset, because yeah. it, it truly is. I mean, how do you put a dollar sign on and, and how do you value a practice overall? And we had kind of talked about, I mean, the CRM, I, in, in my eyes, it, it, it's, you can put a much higher price tag on a business, on a practice that has a CRM that's accurate, that, that works like a, like a well-oiled machine voice versus one that, you know, it's, it's an old school practice where there's the CRM gets hardly used at all. It hasn't been updated in months. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So I'm going to make a, a wider statement here that when we look back 10 to 15 years from now, outside of trailing 12, outside of, you know, just client numbers, data ownership is going to be the largest source of value for financial advisory firms moving forward. Data ownership is a really broad term, but let's just visualize for a second. And for any of you out there that are you know, looking at acquiring practices right now, advisor A and advisor B. Advisor A comes in markedly the same GDC or trailing 12 or whatever you want to look at, but they've got what I'm going to call dinosaur technology. They don't have anything in place for billing or reporting, really. They've got a CRM that might be locally hosted or, or that's just on their software. They don't have clients capitalized correctly in their, in their system. They don't have birth dates. They don't have emails in there. They don't have familial relationships versus advisor B. They have all of their clients in there. Not only do they have their work emails, they have their personal emails. They have their dog's names. They have their favorite wine in there, right? Same trailing 12, same GDC, same size practice. Which one are you going to look at as the one that, that you want to go after? Again, this is putting yourself in those shoes. Maybe it's 10, 15, 20 years ahead of time, but no matter which side of the table that you're on, your practice in my eyes, and I think in a lot of folks' eyes, is going to be a, have a lot higher value if you have clean data and up-to-speed data available. Greg, I know you can speak to that a little bit. You know, when you take a look at things and as a, as a growing practice, that's a huge differentiator. It, it, it totally is. You know, just, just imagine you know, that, that practice number two that, that you described, everything is up to date. You can see the last time the, the client has been contacted. Let's, let's imagine the financial planning software has been yep. updated just a couple months ago and is linked right there to the CRM. It's like, oh my goodness. I mean, that, that is a well-oiled machine. That, that is a business, a much, much more valuable business than that outdated, archaic business where, and I guess the office that I started off in, literally we had, you know, there were advisors that would, there was no CRM. It was a ledger. It was like a blank page, like, a, and, and they would say, you know, nine, two was the date and mm -hmm. then the notes. So it had date and notes. And then, you know, they, they would talk to their client, but write the notes in and then just throw that in the, in the file. It was actually a, you know, big, one of those heavy files and that would go in the file cabinet and then that would get locked mm -hmm. away. I mean, especially, you know, for someone trying to acquire a, a practice that's not local, you know, I mean, right. having everything saved to a cloud. I mean, that's, this is 2023. 
Yeah. Well, and, and, and let me stop for a second and say that, you know, I see a lot of different situations out there. And yeah. for those of you that aren't in the place that you want to be with your technology in general or with your CRM, you're not alone. Yeah. I have seen multi-billion dollar firms that either don't have a CRM or it's working like a modern day Rolex, right? And for those of you that may be trying to use Outlook or Excel, you, we can bring that over and bring it into Wealthbox and you can get in a lot better place. So again, this is not something where the, the train is passed, you can't hop on. But again, as you're starting to think, no matter which side of the table you're on, whether you're looking at perhaps sooner than later, looking at a liquidity event for your own practice or whether you're looking to grow, I think a lot of the value outside of the client base and the assets there a lot of that value and being able to sit at that table, whichever side you're on, you can sit there confidently if you've got your data very clean and organized. Yeah, yeah. One, one more item that before we get into kind of part two, which is going to be our more advanced episode on utilizing CRM for, for best practices. But as far as these, the, ch the changes, so if you're one of those people that, that, that says, hey, I Maybe I'm I'm just using a, a CRM, just kind of just taking my notes and and just kind of oh. very base level. Maybe you're using it for a calendar. It it doesn't have to. You can improve gradually. You can start implementing you know the workflows in, and 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 different different avenues that the CRM offers. Or you know you can. It, so it doesn't have to. You don't have to go from A to Z, right? Oh. Because because it, it is kind of a learning curve and it. It has it. It does take more work, right? For sure. So you know, for example, I used to tell my team all the time. You know, client calls in and, and they have a they have a, a conversation with the CSA. Of course, the CSA, client service associate, is going to detail that conversation, put that in our CRM, which is Wealthbox. So if if I happen to look and they're coming in for a review meeting, oh, what did that conversation look yeah. like? What what happened? What transpired? What were they were they asking for money? Did they want to change a beneficiary? You know, what was it? And and that is so if you're ever going to work as a team, you've got to be able to, you know, share that information and utilize and let's say the next day that same client called in and said, Hey, I, Greg, I changed my mind. And I'm thinking, well, what, what did you decide yesterday? What, what are you changing from? I can just look at the notes really, really quick. Yeah. I think there's, there's a couple things there, Greg, you know, first, the first step's the hardest, right? Yeah. And, and so, you know, on our end here, and, and I, there are other CRMs too, but templatize things to your point, Greg, when that, when that client calls in a prospect calls in, have a note template that is ready to go. It's got the description of the call, to-dos, any follow-ups on there. So notes are being kept in the same fashion. There's number one right there. Okay. Number two, I'm going to guess anyone that is listening to this podcast, wherever they may find it, has a smartphone. Use it. Yep. Use the mobile app, right? Use voice dictation that, that, that's built in there. Put those notes in. I was a wholesaler. I I remember calling in. This is going to date me, Greg. I remember calling into a service and had they. I, we had to pay to have voicemails transcribed. Now I could sit in a parking lot after meeting with a client or outside of a house or outside of a dinner, voice dictate my notes directly in there, put follow ups in there, and even create a task right from a, right from the mobile app. So again, use what you've got available to you today. And then finally, I know we're going to open on this a little bit further, but pick 
three to five core workflows to your practice and get those right. So client onboarding, client marriage, client, client divorce, whatever those may be, three to five really core workflows that contain multiple people with multiple steps within your processes and get those dialed in. Luckily, we've got a workflow template library ready for all Wealthbox users. So there's my plug right there. Anybody that's using Wealthbox, you do have a template library that you can edit and customize, but just pick three to five. Take those big time processes that you need to get right, dial those in, and maybe add some more as time moves on. Yeah, I'm just thinking out loud, like a workflows for seminars for the advisors out there that are doing a lot of seminars. I'm telling you what, they take a lot of work. They yep. They are yep. time consuming. You got to do them right. There's a follow-up process. I mean, it is a step by step by step. It, 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 you know, a lot of times. So having a workflow for this whole seminar process, if you don't have one, get that figured out, get that in, get in stone and, and have your assistants helping you with that because you're leaving money on the table if you're not following up and, and you know, dotting every I, crossing every T. That's just one example of all the different workflows that you can come up with. New prospects like Jim's sales process. Again, you can't say, well, where, where is this prospect in the sales process? You need to know, you know, because yep. you, you'll just literally, you know, money is just going to be dripping through your falling through your fingertips. So, hey, this has been great. This is I'm ready for some next level CRM planning. So, yeah. today on today's episode, we have had we've had the pleasure of having Andrew Ladwig. He's the Director of Business Development from Wealthbox. Wealthbox is is my CRM and Jim CRM as well. So, everybody asks us, what's our tech stack? Well, you heard it you heard it here today. Our CRM tech stack is Wealthbox and again, Thank you, Andrew Ladwig, for joining us today. Next week, we're going to have part two, which is going to be kind of our advanced, our higher ed CRM planning best practices. So, hey, thanks for joining us today on the Financial Advisors Edge podcast. Check us out on our website, thefaedge.com. And if you're not yet a member, check us out, eliteadvisorlab.com. That's our virtual advisor coaching community. We love you to join us and it's a monthly subscription and a private community where we coach advisors every single week. So see see everybody next week. Take care. Thanks for listening to the show. Check us out at thefinancialadvisorsedge.com if you want to learn more about us. If you enjoyed the content, make sure to leave us a five-star review and tell your friends about us. The opinions that are expressed in the shows are that of each host only and don't necessarily reflect the opinion of the other hosts. Like the weather, our opinions can change. This podcast isn't intended to provide tax, legal, or investment advice. Always consult with a qualified professional. We cannot guarantee our opinions or forecasts are right. See you next week.